Hey there, entrepreneur. Have you checked out last week's episode? Um, I had the chance to speak with the fierce Elaine Terso, and let me tell you, she cuts through the bullshit, folks. So if you are looking for that little bit of motivation to kind of kick your butt and get you to the next level, you're going to want to go back and check out that episode because it was pretty freaking amazing. But for right now, I am jumping in with the amazingly resilient Sarah Michelle. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome, welcome. Do I have a treat for you today? Let me just say that it took us like three times to get on and record this episode with, with this fantastic guest because I kept canceling and our schedules weren't meeting. And I'm so excited to finally have her here. Let me tell you about Sarah Michelle. So Sarah is a brand strategist, identity evangelist, and soul spelunking articulator. I love that so much. With over a decade of experience in the business strategy space, she is the CEO and creator of HoneyMap, a comprehensive roadmap that connects business owners' core values to their marketing so they know who they are and how to tell people. Go figure. Very helpful. She is also the host of the Successful-ish podcast and speaks and consults nationally on identity and brand strategy. When she's not working, you can find Find her exploring with her two fur babes or drinking copious amounts of coffee, coffee in independent bookstores, a girl after my own heart. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad we're finally having this conversation. I know. I know. I'm again, sorry. That is all my bad. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for you to share your story with folks. Cause it's a very powerful one that is wrapped up in resiliency. And then, you know, to tell people a little bit about what successful ish really is. So let's just jump in. Tell us about your journey to entrepreneurship, you know, through, through current stakes. I know you've had lots of twists and turns. I have. And it's a weird story to tell because I feel like in some ways I could tell my story and it seems like this is just the path that I was destined for from childhood. And in other ways, I very much consider myself an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I had no desire to be a business owner. I had always thought of entrepreneurs as just flaky idea havers who live in their parents' basements and just try to invent stuff and don't do anything real with their life. Um, And I, uh, from childhood, I sort of just always wanted to find my place. I always wanted to connect with people. I always wanted to understand what people were thinking, how to connect with them, where they were at. And I always joke that I was sort of like that Dr. Seuss character, are you my mother, the little bird that's just going from place to place. And that was me like going to the cheerleaders and the jocks and the nerds, like, are you my people? Are you my people? Yeah. And that sort of led to a natural interest of wanting to understand how to fit into different groups, but also noting this sort of stubbornness that I didn't 
fully fit into any, even yeah. though I could enjoy and I had friends everywhere, none of them were really fully me or where I fit in. And so I think that's really where the, the original passion for identity stemmed from. Yeah. So I went to college, I studied advertising and public relations and went that route because I thought that segment marketing was my calling in life. So I worked for an ad agency for a while. Um, I worked for a global finance company doing their marketing and a little ways into that. um, I was married. I decided I was ready to do the family planning thing. And so the only reason I started my own business was because I was getting ready to be a stay at home mom and I knew myself well enough to know that I needed something creative to keep my brain engaged while I was changing diapers. Absolutely. (laughs) So I created my business, Honey Map, and the concept was to help small businesses with their marketing. And coming from working in an agency, coming in internal marketing, I saw so many wasted dollars and hours and just Mm -hmm. disconnects in marketing. And then I saw a lot of small businesses that were disconnected because they didn't have the budget for a big agency. And they just needed a little bit of training and teaching to learn how to properly market themselves and how to be a more successful business. And so I set up this cute little hobby. Um, Honey map came from a proverb that says the right communication at the right time is sweet like honey. And so this idea of connecting people to, if you have a limited budget, what's your one communication that you can Mm -hmm. pour it into And I had so much fun setting up this little hobby with the brand and the logo and all of that. And I had these cute little clients that paid me next to nothing and sometimes actually nothing. (laughs) And um, my uh, husband at the time and I were in the process of an adoption. And in the final phase of that, he very abruptly and unexpectedly realized he was not ready to be a father or a husband. And I came home one day, he had canceled the final home study and um, shortly after just stopped talking to me completely. And so it was, it was a moment of panic. And at that point, the announcements had already gone out, baby clothes were hanging in my closet. I was full mom mode. I had scaled down my business to one little client And now all of a sudden I was just sitting on my bathroom floor thinking, okay, I'm no longer mom. I don't think I'm going to be wife for much longer. I have no income. I have no way to leave this situation. And it was a really crazy time of just everything that I had worked towards and every plan that I had carefully put together, just completely falling apart in front of me. And I've always been a person of resilience. I've always been a person who has a backup plan. I've always been a person who can figure it out. I've always been someone who is calm in the face of crisis. And that was really the first time in my life that I could not be okay. I didn't know how to fix it because I couldn't fix it. Right. And as time went on, it was about two or three months um, before eventually I ended up having to move out. It was just a really unhealthy situation. And as I began to come to terms with the fact, okay, I'm on my own. I have to figure this out. Um, I, my initial inclination was that I needed to go back to corporate. I needed to go get a job, but it was the holiday season in new England. New Englanders are very seasonal out here. And so literally no one was hiring. So I had to become a real business owner really quickly. And that was such a a chaotic season of life of trying to figure out how to 
create a business, how to pull a business out of my butt. Like exactly. I had From no nothing. idea what yeah. I was doing. Um, I had a beautiful brand, I had the brand, the marketing piece, but how do you learn how to be a CEO? How do you learn how to be a CFO? How do you learn how to create a business that is making enough income to sustain itself and sustain you when you've never done it before and you literally have no support, you have no finances, you have nothing. So it was a really crazy season. Um, I ended up working part-time at a gym. I was commuting a half hour each way for 12 bucks an hour. I was sleeping on a cot in an older couple's office in a condo. So, you know, real tight quarters. And my whole life was just unraveling while I was trying to grow a business. And I remember feeling like such a failure and feeling I was recovering from an emotionally abusive relationship that I hadn't known was emotionally abusive until recently. So I was still processing that. I was trying to figure out how to get income. I was trying to figure out how to take care of myself, how to grow a business, how to become myself again. And I was just really overwhelmed in those feelings of failure. And I remember the gym manager one day telling me, you know, you're really amazing. I would love to be like you someday. You're such an accomplished CEO running a business. Like I would love to be like you someday. I want to learn from you. And I remember staring at him just dumbfounded. I'm wearing this gosh awful bright orange polo shirt and these gym <laughs> leggings. And I'm like, dude, I make 12 bucks an hour to tell people to get on a treadmill. I'm sleeping on a cot in someone's condo. Yeah. I make 500 bucks a month. Like no, I can't even afford off-brand ramen. Like nothing about my life even whispers success. Like yeah. I have a hot mess. Yeah. And they, I thought about it later on. I had joined this, um, this business group of a bunch of small business owners. And I was so intimidated walking in the room of real business owners and right. here with me not knowing what I was doing. And as I started connecting with different people who frankly, I felt intimidated to even talk to, I kept hearing myself in the responses of like, oh, you know, it's, it's really just more of a hobby. Oh, it's a, it's a side hustle. Like, oh yeah, you know, we do okay. And I just couldn't figure out why people kept downplaying their success. And every time I was complimenting someone on the successes that they had behind them, they were telling me that it didn't count because they still had successes in front of them that they hadn't completed yet. Yep. And I thought back to that list of things that the manager had called out. I'd been in a editorial and I had gotten more clients and I had been selected for a public talk. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I am kind of successful-ish. Maybe <laughs> I have actually taken a lot of huge steps to figuring out how to grow a business and how to take care of myself and how to put myself back together in the midst of a very painful crisis. Right. And that's really where the concept of successful-ish came from. As I began sharing that story with more business owners um, in very small private circles, every time I had people saying, oh my God, you have to share this with more people. You have to share this with my group. And I don't know what happened. Word got out and then it just (laughs) spread all over. Um, And I decided, you know what? I think people really need to hear this story because I know how much I needed to know that I was successful-ish. And so it became a podcast, a lifestyle brand. And here I am a few years later. I just, I I love, I love everything about your story. And I have, I have a confession to make that when I launched this podcast initially, like you were on my top 
my top five, 10 people, because I knew your background and I knew the story that you would come through and how just absolutely beautiful it was and also gut-wrenching for you at a lot of levels, but you know, you are, you are the quintessential, like break it down to build it back up kind of story. Um, when it comes to your, you know, your brand, your being, you know, all of it. So, you know, for, for somebody who's at home right now, because I like the, the way that you kind of let up and set the tone for successful ish, because none of us, I think all of us, actually, I don't know any woman at least who will sit there and go, I am hundred percent successful. Look at all the things I've done. Like there's always to your point seems to be that caveat. Like I did it, but, or, you know, you do, they excuse it away or something else like that. So if somebody is saying that to you, how do you approach them to kind of re, you know, give them a rebuttal or show it to them? Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, one, I would say we need to not be so self-absorbed. <laughs> Amen. Thank it's you. It's not about you. And every person has imposter syndrome and if you research it, it's actually, you would think that the cure to imposter syndrome would be more levels of success, but statistically, the more successful you are, the louder you have that voice. Mm -hmm. So if you hear that voice of doubt, they celebrate it. You're really successful. That's why the voice is really loud. (laughs) I love it. And the other thing is to be really mindful of the beliefs that we allow to internalize. And a lot of times we kill our success with the just buts and onlys. (laughs) And those are three of the most deadly words of, well, you know, it's, it's just a local publication or, well, but I I haven't done this yet, or, but I don't have that qualification or, but I'm not like them or only, you know, well, I only have 30 listeners. I only have 20 people in the crowd. That's 20, 30 people that are giving up their time to hear you, to learn from you. So instead of focusing on what we don't have, why don't we focus on giving the absolute best that we have to the people who already love us, the people who already trust us. And I think it's important to know um, that we a lot of times do what's called data mining. And Mm -hmm. so whatever we believe, we look for data that supports that. Yep. So if I look for data to support that I'm a failure, I'm going to find it because I will never be fully successful at everything. So I will find all the data that says I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. If I look for data that says I'm successful, I'll start to find it. And I think that it's really important to not be such drama queens and feel like failure and success have to be opposites. They're not. Failure is just a part of figuring it out. It's a part of getting closer to success. And there's always going to be more successes ahead of us. And that's awesome. That's exciting. We should keep moving forward, but it doesn't discount the huge steps that we're taking to get there. Exactly. I mean, you hear that a lot. I mean, number one, confirmation bias. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. the same for those of you who, who need even a more broken down of like, you know, you reap what you sow kind of thing. It's like, you know, you buy, buy a car and it's a yellow car. Then all of a sudden you start seeing yellow cars everywhere, right? Before you had never seen another one besides yours, right? So whatever you're putting out there, your mind is going to start seeing more of, and you're going to have more ammo against yourself. Right. Um, But to your point, like, (laughs) the, the drama queen part of it. Yes. Right. And also, you know, not negating 
all yeah. of the hardship, because I think sometimes people say, think, um, I was taking a course recently and, and it's like, okay, well, if I say that I've been too successful, it's going to make the struggles less real, mm-hmm. you know, and people are going to view it as well. You know, the shit that you went through obviously wasn't that hard if you were able to succeed. Right. And I think it's like this double standard that we run into when it does come to being success. But what you're saying, if I'm understanding is that success is an ongoing thing. It's, it's a yeah. living, breathing thing, not like a, a destination, right? Yeah. I think success is an attitude. And mm-hmm. to your point, I, I struggle with that a lot as well when I post content on social media. And if I post a lot of successful things, people are like, oh, I guess you're over everything. I guess you're good. I guess life is gravy. Like, I guess life has been handed to you and we want to discount success. Yeah. So then there's that part of us that kind of wrenches up like, well, no, you need to understand the struggle too. Like you need to understand this hard. And I think that it's really important. Like as a society, we just view success and failure as opposites. And the dictionary definition of success for years was the attainment of fame and affluence. And even (laughs) if we don't define it that way, even if we say, well, I'm successful if I have a good family, I'm successful if I'm happy, even if we say those things we still have that internalized imperative system. That's still how we talk as a society. So learning to be more mindful of that and learning to recognize that the only difference between someone who is really, really successful and someone who's not is that the person who's really, really successful kept going. Yeah, exactly. They didn't stop in the middle. They didn't say, well, I'm never going to get there. I'm just going to camp out here. They said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to celebrate this and then I'm going to keep going. And that's really the only difference. And yes, there are people who have advantages. Yes, there are people who have fame and affluence and connections. But I also think that it's important that we look at our advantages because all of us have something Mm -hmm. that sets us up for success, whether it's a unique story, whether it's a quality of resilience, whether it's a certain degree or a skill or personal life experience. I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we discount ourselves because our experience isn't the same as someone else's. I think that being successful is a lot of recognizing our unique success and defining our own metrics Mm -hmm. and running after that with everything that we have. Yeah. I mean, and you see that, you see that a lot, especially, you know, for me being coach in the coaching sector, right. Where like you can throw a rock and hit a, hit a coach. Right. But I had the conversation with somebody the other day and I'm like, no, 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 the, the, you're not marketing business coaching. You're marketing yourself. You're marketing you, you know, you, what you bring, the purpose that you bring to the sector and the world. But then, you know, also to your point, it is a, it's a marathon. We speak about that a lot here on the resilient entrepreneur. It is the marathon, not the sprint of entrepreneurship. And it can be a long and winding road, but also being intentional. And to your point, like what your definition of success is in that chapter of life. You know, for for me, people have asked, well, when's, when are you going to launch like your membership group? And when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? And this chapter of my life is focused very much on two small children and the craziness that goes along with that. And success is a different meaning. Um, Would you agree that, you know, you can redefine what that looks like as you go through the path, right? Absolutely. I think your goals change. And I think a lot of times we hold on to a goal that we think we're supposed to have. Exactly. And I, for me, that my big goal of success was to be a wife and a mom. That was 
the pinnacle of what I was running after. And when that was taken from me, I spent a lot of time sitting in that sadness and the grief and the shame. And I, I fully believe in feeling your feels. I don't think the grief cycle should be cut short, but at the same time, I had to really proactively work to open myself up to a new narrative Mm-hmm. because as long as I was holding on to that as the definition of success, it didn't matter what I accomplished. I felt like a failure because I wasn't getting this. Yes. And on the flip side, I, as a business consultant, I work with a lot of the same clients that you probably see as a coach. Mm-hmm. And I found when I was first starting out, a lot of times I was caring more about my client's business than they were. Yes. <laughs> and they would tell me they wanted to make six figures. They would tell me they wanted to be this big business but you start looking at where they're spending their time and their money and their time and their money is going to their kids' soccer games or putting right. in a pool or taking a vacation. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But, but just get that aligned. Really important to be aligned <laughs> yeah. and self-aware because if you're telling yourself that to be successful, you have to make six figures. Okay. That takes a lot of work. That yeah. takes more than five hours a week put into your business. If what right. you want is a lucrative hobby, Awesome. Run after that and make that your success metric. So I think it's really important that we check in with ourselves and think, what are we running after? Is this something that I really want? And to realize that we can have successes in all different categories of life, in our relationships, in our cultural context, in our health. Mm -hmm. Being successful doesn't mean that we have success in everything we touch. It just means we have a life full of successes. Exactly. And we have which ones we want. Yeah. You've my, my version of success is that you've architected the life that, you know, you could walk through with joy, you know, that feels good for you. That, you know, is aligned to your point with your priorities at during that chapter, because those are ever living, breathing, moving things. And to your, to your later point, the minute that you identify with one soul kind of thing, right? Like being a mom, and a wife, or in my case, it was like having the six figure corporate job, you know, because that's what you should, which I hate the word should on a lot of levels, um, do that's when you pigeonhole yourself too. you sell yourself short, right? Yeah. Well, and that's also not being full of successes. Exactly. That's having one very specific success. Exactly. And I think that's why a lot of us still feel like we're failing because yeah. we don't feel successful because we're not. We're not full of success. We have this one success, but our relationship is suffering or we have a great relationship and our work is suffering. So I think it's all about prioritizing the different areas of life. And if I can go to bed at the night and my head hits the pillow and I feel like I was the best version of me that day, and then I wake up tomorrow and I'm a better version than I was yesterday, then I'm successful. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, but you know, and and also I, it begs the question of re-examination, I think, mm. right? Because oftentimes people, I've spoken about this before, that people only re-examine on January 1st, <laughs> right? So how would you work with somebody who, you know, about kind of putting that natural cadence of re-examination in there so that you do stay connected and there isn't that disconnect between what, you know, your current state of success looks like or whatever that, that driver could be behind it. Yeah. I think a lot of times we get stuck in autopilot Yes, (laughs) and we just, we're just following 
path and life is kind of exhausting. Life can be kind of daunting and it takes a lot to step out of that and to have to project manage our life. Yes. Like God bless project managers. They should get paid more than they do. That is a lot of work. And especially as women, if you're also project managing your house and your kids, it's just a lot to organize all of that. And so I think sometimes we're so exhausted that we think that it's better just to stay on the conveyor belt and low energy. But what we're actually doing is just leaking energy into things that aren't getting us anywhere. Yeah. And so I think that it's really important that we be mindful and recognize that, yes, it may be a little more work up front, but it's going to make life easier in the long run. We can either exhaust ourselves across the span of life, or we can burn our energy a little harder for a season Mm -hmm. and then have it be a lot easier. And I think that getting off that autopilot, um, one thing that I do and I recommend for clients, it's kind of weird, but I tell people to date themselves. Yeah. Like go on a date with yourself as if you were dating someone else. And if that makes you uncomfortable to do in public, you can do it in private, open a (laughs) bottle of wine. Exactly. Light some candles. It's cool. Yeah. But have intentional conversations with yourself and ask yourself, tell me your story. Tell me what you're running after in life. Tell me about your personality. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your dreams. Tell me what ticked you off. And if we talk to ourselves, the way that we try to get to know someone else, we'll begin to get to know ourselves better. And I think what happens is we are so used to people telling us who we are, right? You come into the world and you're born and they announce, you know, it's a boy, it's a girl. And then your mom or dad tells you who you are. And then your teachers tell you who you are. And then the media tells you who you are. Mm -hmm. And for most of us, we don't, no one ever gives us permission and says, okay, today's the day. Like switch. Now you get to tell us who you are. Exactly. And so to be able to recognize that and to get to know ourselves and to say, okay, did the people in my life who told me who I am, what did they get right? And what did they maybe get wrong? Yes. Or what did maybe someone tell me when I was six or 13 that maybe has evolved? Exactly. You know, if you've ever hung out with family and all of a sudden you're 16 again yeah or old friends old friends from high school and all of a sudden you're like that caricature yeah the person back to who you are and I think that's so important to hold space for the fact that people grow and we evolve and so to be able to be intentional with asking ourselves the questions that we ask about other people and really paying attention to who am I Mm -hmm. The more I understand that, the better I'm able to be in alignment and at peace. And that gives other people permission to do the same. And then we don't have as much fear. We don't have as much hate. We don't have as much stress. We don't have as much lack of communication because we can appreciate that we have differences and we can stand confident in who we really are. Yeah. I mean, and, and to your point though, is it's, it's about choice. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like I, I call it the intersection of choice and self-awareness um, because, you know, people don't realize that if you want to stay the same, that's okay, but it's a choice. Just like to your point, not putting it on autopilot and yeah. coasting through um, with all of this other programming put on top of you um, and not questioning whether that is actually what you believe versus was it put on you? You know, you see that a lot in the money mindset world right now, especially like what old beliefs, what limiting beliefs are getting in your way of money that you were told when you were six, like in the way the brain works and how it processes that information. 
So I think it's just such an amazing message that you're delivering because people, I don't know about you, but how many women have we probably come in contact with just because of primary, my primary audience is women who I say, what makes you happy? And they have no fucking idea. Yeah. You know, or, you know, or they start rattling things off that their children have done or their spouse has done or their fur baby has done, but not themselves. So I yeah. love the fact that you're saying, you know, date yourself, just have a conversation yeah. with just, yeah. you know, I, especially as women, I think sometimes we're conditioned that that's selfish to think about ourselves. Yep. yep, we are. And it feels strange to, to say, you know, I'm brilliant. I'm really good at what I do. I am an excellent brand strategist. I am very accomplished. Mm-hmm. I'm not bragging if it's a true statement. Exactly. If yep. I say that I'm really smart, I'm not bragging. I'm really smart. I have a life of stuff proof. that I have, have social proof out. for it. I have proof that I have figured things out. If I say that I am good at something, it's because I'm good at it. And I think that when we have those voices of doubts and insecurities, a lot of times we get this sort of fluffy, like, oh, just dismiss it. You're awesome. But when we try to swap an internalized rooted belief with a surface platitude, our subconscious says, don't bullshit me. I know you don't believe that. Exactly. You can't override your subconscious belief. So I think rather than dismiss it, we need to learn how to talk back to it. Yes. And we need to be able to say, okay, who says, and if it's coming from someone else, is it someone else who has a life that I would want to emulate? Because exactly. anyone who has a life that I wouldn't want to emulate, why would you want their advice? Yeah, you don't. Or their yeah. criticism. So that's one thing. Um, is it true? A lot of times it's not, a lot of times it's a partial truth. And one example that I give for me was that I felt like I wasn't a real business owner. And I was told that a lot, you know, oh, it's not a real business. Like Mm -hmm. you can't call yourself a CEO. That's dishonest. Oh my God, I've heard that before. Like really, Uh, really? I've heard that too. Yeah. Yeah. We think of CEOs as being in these big fortune 500 companies. Literally the definition of CEO is that you're the chief executive officer. So if you're the person making all the decisions for your business and your name is on the LLC, yeah, you're the you CEO. Might not be a very good CEO, but you are a CEO. You can't okay. refute that fact. Mm-hmm. So changing that statement instead of saying I'm not a CEO or I'm not a real business owner to say I'm a CEO and a business owner and I need to learn how to be a better CEO and business mm-hmm. owner that's a much more productive internalized mental conversation. I can do something with that. I can't do anything with being told I'm not a business owner. Well, if I've been shut down, what am I supposed to do about that? If I'm not a business owner, how can I act like a business owner? So I think we need to change the conversation. And really, if we find ourselves not being productive, ask ourselves, is this a productive conversation? Has this same thought or criticism or complaint come up more than twice. And if it has, we either need to let it go or we need to do something about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where, you know, rehearsing scripts is very handy for stuff like that and proactively putting affirmations in place to talk back to things to your point earlier. And is it true factor and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you cannot want to repeat that you cannot combat a deeply rooted subconscious belief with a just get over it type of mentality. That's like saying to somebody with depression or whatever, just get over it, just be happy, which drives me insane. Um, So, you know, if you are speaking to somebody who 
who is kind of in that crisis mode, right? Who is, who is on the crux and needing to like, take yourself back to that moment when you're like, oh shit, I need to make money. I have to do my own thing. Um, from a resilience perspective, you know, what, what's the two cents that you would, you would give them? I would say breathe. Yeah. And learn to celebrate the moment that you're in. Yeah. And sometimes that looks like showing up and taking the next big step. Sometimes it looks like crying in the bathtub. If your biggest accomplishment for the day is putting on pants and taking a walk around the block. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Someday you'll be able to do bigger things. Right. Don't be mean to yourself when you're already hurting and tell yourself you should be doing something better. There is no map for grief. There is no map to be able to navigate. And I think that it's really important to feel our feels, to be honest, to sit with that, but then also recognize when we have sat long enough, when we're stuck, Yes. Like when we're in the pit at the point that we start wanting to hang pictures on the wall. <laughs> exactly. When you're, when you're furnishing the pit, that is the time. Yeah. To um, so having that discernment, but also having grace and realizing maybe today is not the day that I need to climb out of the pit. Maybe today I'm just going to practice sitting up and then maybe tomorrow I'll do a couple push-ups, and then maybe the next day mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll kind of climb. Like you work your way up, like you would build any muscle and expecting ourselves to operate at full capacity when we were at the best conditions of life, when we no longer have those conditions, that's not fair. No. And that's, it doesn't make sense. So that would be what I would say. If you're sitting, if you are in that bathroom floor moment, Mm -hmm. just be in the bathroom floor moment and don't allow the panic of thinking this is going to be your whole life to take over. Just be in the moment that you're in. And it's okay to say right now I'm in a shithole. At some point I won't be. Exactly. It doesn't have to be right now, but I'll get there. Right. I just, I love that. I love everything about what you just said. And I think for folks listening, you know, we, we've, <laughs> I think what you saw was a lot of people in the pandemic hit who were didn't know what to do with the feelings, didn't yep. know what to do with the pit per se that they were in. And now what's going to be interesting, at least to me, and from some of the people I've been speaking with as well is, you know, we're getting close to quote unquote, moving towards normal, whatever, whatever that means. Um, and we're going to be in a different sort of pit, right. Yeah. But to your point, it's just a chapter. And yeah. for every pit you fall in, there's a mountain you get to the top as well, because they have to coexist. That's, that's at least what I tell myself is that you can't have the, the good times without the bad. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. And like you said, fear and I mean, failure and success aren't opposites. Yeah. Well, in life and work entrepreneurship, it's hard, but it shouldn't be as hard as we sometimes make it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the reason that it's harder than it is, is because we're trying to force a narrative in our heads. Yes. Agreed. And we see that a lot with the pandemic of I'm waiting for things to get back to normal. When is things that going to happen? Things are never going to go back to how they were because we're moving forward. Right. The, the world has bumped people off autopilot. The world has yeah. bumped people off the conveyor belt. And now people are having to figure out that moment of, 
oh my God, the ground's not moving for me anymore. I have to move myself. Exactly. But there's a difference between something being challenging and something being hard work and something being resistant. Yes. And I see that a lot in life and entrepreneurship. And, you know, the example that I gave of, yes, it was very hard to grow a business, but what made it a lot harder was me not being able to let go of my narrative of the wife and mom. As soon as I accepted my reality, which took a while and that's okay, it was still hard, but not as hard. And I see that a lot when I talk to business owners and they're really struggling. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the reason they're struggling is because they are doing what they think they're supposed to be doing. And it's not actually what they want to be doing. And that identity crisis is stopping things because as a people, we're very stubborn Yeah, and we don't want to do what we don't want to do. And our subconscious tends to be a little bossier than our conscious. Yeah. Yeah. So if you find yourself in a situation where something just you're hitting a wall, maybe ask yourself if you should be taking the door a couple feet over exactly. and adapting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it just goes down to the, what is the definition of insanity is doing the same mm-hmm. thing over and over again, expecting different results folks. So, yeah. you know, ask yourselves, ask yourselves the question and have that date with yourself. If you yeah. just keep running into the wall, don't just keep running into the wall. And I think that could put us down a rabbit hole of, you know, fight, flight or freeze. Right. So yeah. <laughs> in regards to that as well, but just know that, you know, if you are frozen, frozen doesn't last forever. Cause either you're going to pull yourself out, you're going to have an aha or some, something else, the world will move and pull you out anyway. Yeah. Um, which is, there's a little bit of reassurance. I feel like in that too. Um, Definitely. And hard is worth it. If you're moving forward. Yeah. It's not worth it. If you're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And there's I think no, there's no sense or purpose in doing something difficult or having a challenge just to have it. Right. If you're not going to be a better person at the end, if you're not going to move forward. Yeah. And also that notion of it's not enough just to, to do it, to say you conquered it, right. <laughs> right. It's the reflection piece and the, the filling your collective tool belts and reevaluating yourself that kind of goes alongside all of that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an evolution sometimes, you know, I think when I, was on the bathroom floor and trying to figure out a business, I didn't have a very good why, you know, I wasn't like, I want to change the world with entrepreneurship and with good business. (laughs) You're like, I would just like to survive. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You just want to survive. They literally, the only reason I was showing up every day was because I had to. Yeah. And sometimes the why takes a while. And I know that we live in a world where we want to inspire people and say, Oh, your challenge is going to inspire people. I get that my story can inspire people. I understand that someday, sure. I'll be able to spin something and tell someone, yeah, like, here's how you get through an unexpected painful divorce. Here's how you get through the loss of, you know, not having a child you thought you were going to have. And yes, there's beauty in that, but you do not need to feel that beauty while you're still feeling no. the pain. No. That is so important for to me is that we don't silver line people's clouds. Exactly. And yeah. that we don't try to do a PR spin prematurely. Yes. And yeah. it will happen when it happens. And as I got more comfortable with myself, as I moved forward, as I started turning life around, 
Yes, 100%. I, my situation was the best worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm so thankful for it. Mm-hmm. But I would never voluntarily go through that or wish that on anyone. And so I think that that is a really important piece of, yes, resilience is beautiful. Telling our stories is beautiful. But you have to live the story before you tell it. You can't tell someone else a story that hasn't happened yet. And I think that's really important that we experience it before we try to articulate it to someone else. Yeah. And that you process it. It was a Brene Brown who said like, she never, she never shares anything that she hasn't processed yet. Yeah. Right. Because I think we see a lot of, a lot of folks. And I mean, I've been guilty of this in previous, previous chapters of my business too, where you try to process it through your work and you know, that, that has a potential to backfire real hard, right? Because then you're tying your, your self-worth to your success of your business and your stories and your narrative to such a narrow piece of, you know, a dark period in your life when it's, it's all about the ups and the downs, right? So make sure you process it yeah, before you step into it as well. Yeah. You're also not a great role model when you're in the middle of a crisis and we all go through that moment where we become over sharers Mm -hmm. and we're basically learning our own life lessons on social media in front of everyone. And it comes off as preachy. It comes off as insincere. It a lot of times comes off as uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Personally, especially I've seen a lot of um, very prominent business leaders uh, whose marriages have fallen apart because of the pandemic. And now I'm seeing them post about here's how to process singleness in a pandemic. No, 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 no. You're not there yet. (laughs) Like, Like you are in no place to talk yeah. about relationships or to celebrate being single until you've been through it and it's yeah. been a while. And so I think that's really important that we really give ourselves time. And if you're still really emotionally charged, yeah, write it in a journal, keep it in a notepad mm-hmm. um, or have a second set of eyes that approve something before you post it yes. publicly for the world to yes. see, because you can't take that back. And asking the world to process something with you is a little bit selfish because they're expecting that when we post something, that's the final resolve. If you're continually saying, well, I've landed here. Well, now I've landed here. Well, now I've landed here. That's confusing. And now you're inflicting your complications and your trauma and drama on other people. And so that's really important. Um, I think it was uh, Beth Moore said, eat it before you tweet it. Yeah. 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 Make sure you you fully digest it before you back out. Yeah. And plus, I mean, if you're really going to teach something to somebody, like you have to honor the hero's journey of it, right? That's what I always come back to is like, you have to, you have to go on the journey. You have to get the calling and go through the fire and do all the things, but you have to go through it, (laughs) through it, meaning emotionally processing it, not just, you know, oh, I signed the divorce papers yesterday. I'm good. Like that's, you know, that'll bite you later on. Yeah. And when it comes to story branding or telling your story publicly or as a business, I love Donald Miller. Um, he's so smart with the way that he just captured all of that. Um, but a lot of times we get confused and we make ourselves the hero of the story Yeah, and we're not supposed to be the hero. Our audience is supposed to be the hero. Exactly. We're supposed to be the guide. Yep. So if we are still the hero, Awesome. Good for us. Like, look at us heroically slinging teach it. and fighting things, but you can't be the guide yet. 
And the world doesn't want to hear what a great hero you are. The world wants to know that they're a hero and learn how to do that. And so that's part of being selfless, a little bit less selfish in our posting, in our content, in our speaking to other people. I think that it's really important that we not be self-centered. I think that we can have a secure sense of self. We can love ourselves for who we are. We can operate, you know, taking care of ourselves. But when it comes to talking to other people, it's not about us. If you're posting something online, if you're leading someone in business, if you're coming from a place of look how great I am, I'm awesome. Yuck. It's not really going to work for you. But if you're coming from a place of, you know, I love you, I want to serve you because I have learned how to love myself and I've learned what has served me. That's a very different vantage point of being able to produce really good work and help in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it just, people see through that. They yeah. see through it. You know, you may have, cause I can hear, I can hear the naysayers saying like, well, look at so-and-so or look at so-and-so, you know, and they may have short-term, you know, instant gratification level success. But I think, you know, we're, we're all kind of playing a longer game, yeah. you know, with an ever evolving definition of success, plus a strongly rooted ability to serve is, you know, yeah. and the capacity to serve is just a, a absolutely beautiful thing. Um, is there any kind of last, you know, point that you want to make before we, we wrap up? You've given so many amazing things to our audience, but just in case there was like one last thing that you felt like you wanted to say. I think if I were going to close with one thing, it would be to embrace the ish yeah, and absolutely. accept living between successes and take a minute to celebrate everything that you've put behind you. Take a minute to double check on what is in front of you. And if that's something you still want to run towards. Yeah. And then embrace the ish. You can either waste your energy beating yourself down for where you're at or not at, or you can spend your energy actually getting where you want to go. And it's up to you to decide how you want to put that energy out. Yeah. It's up to you to decide folks right there. That is, you know, just a, that in itself is a beautiful statement alongside of all of the other ones that you've given us in this. So, you know, tell people where they can find you because they definitely, they definitely need to go seek you out. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to connect with anyone. My website is sarahmichelle.love. And I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram at Identity Evangelist. I love it. Thank you. I mean, so many good things. And for those of you who are in my surviving entrepreneurship community on Facebook, which you need to be, if you're not, I have an amazing resource. I'm going to let you tell folks about it. It's how to be more successful-ish, but tell folks what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a whole worksheet on how to have a more successful-ish mindset, and it includes some tangible, practical pieces and some mindset pieces and just some really simple ways of breaking down how to begin to live successfully between successes and how to learn to be a little bit more comfortable in that space. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. And also plug the podcast, plug your podcast. Cause yeah, that's absolutely successful ish. It is on all major podcast platforms. New episodes drop every Monday at noon. And we talk about all kinds of things um, from the metaphysical of how do you define success and all of those abstract things to specifics um, coming up. We have how to buy a house, uh, how to successfully remove body hair, um, like literally anything that you could ever want to be more successful in or curious about, maybe there's, you know, I didn't know that I needed to think about how to successfully remove body hair. So it's always a fun surprise. 
Um, but you can catch that anywhere that you enjoy podcasts or online at successfulish.com. Great. Well, thank you. I know I've really enjoyed this conversation. I, I've yet to not have a conversation with you that I didn't enjoy. So, um, yeah, anytime. I know. I really appreciate you being here. So thank you so much, Sarah. Absolutely. So the reason I think this, this conversation is so important to have had, um, you know, number one, I wanted to talk to Sarah Michelle right out of the gate when I, you know, when I started this podcast, we just didn't have the time in our schedules to align. But, you know, I think this is something that definitely bears conversation because we oftentimes measure ourselves in the highs or the lows, but we don't talk about what it means to kind of be in that in between, right? Where you can celebrate the failure as part of part of the journey, where you can, you know, not be putting all of this huge fanfare around the goals and everything else, but you can just kind of be right. And that's kind of where her successful ish, which I absolutely love comes from where you're just walking through and you're flowing through all of the the spectrum of emotions that comes with life. So just keep that in mind. The next time you're approaching things that you're not taking a black and white, it's either good or it's bad, you know, or it's a success or it's a failure. You know, it's not that black and white folks, it's got to be lived in a little bit of the gray so that you're able to flow through all of the different chapters of your life so that you can be resilient. Okay. So keep that in mind. And on next week's episode, you don't want to miss it because I am welcoming Antonia Hawk, who is the global head of the Ritz Carlton leadership center onto the show. We're speaking about how, you know, building your resilience muscles, leading through adversity. We cover so many talks and, you know, she heads up a training center that trains companies all over the world in service and advises them in business. So this is something that you do not want to miss this conversation. And, you know, if you want to track me down, you can find me at createhonesty.com as well as create honesty on Facebook and IG LinkedIn under my name. And as always, folks, if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review, and, you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later. 